Welcome to CCC's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Velocity of Content. It's Friday, January 26th, 2024. Today, as we do each week, we check in with Publishers Weekly on news from the world of books and publishing. Andrew Albanese, PW Executive Editor, joins me today from New York City. Welcome back to the program, Andrew. Hey there, Chris. Last weekend, the American Library Association met in Baltimore for the LibLearn X conference. Attendance fell from last year's program, according to reports, but you were among those who were there for the show. As you say, we're back this week from the ALA's second in-person LibLearnX conference. It started on Friday, January 19th. It closed on Monday in a very cold and snowy Baltimore. Now I hear it's like 60 degrees there. Climate change is real. Uh, but as you say, I think the headline was that you know the decline in attendance from last year's inaugural in-person event from New Orleans was was pretty stark. Uh, ALA officials put total attendance for this year's LibLearnX at 2006, uh, and that included 391 exhibitor attendees and 109 virtual attendees. And that number is down pretty sharply from the 2,659 who attended uh, last year's show in the Big Easy in, in New Orleans. And let's be honest, too, 2,000 attendees for a library show is a, is a pretty small show. Nonetheless, I think there's a lot more than meets the eye here. And I think we have to put a few asterisks on this low attendance number this year. So, you know, bear with me for a second while I kind of run through this. First, I think the decline in attendance for LibLearnX this year was not unexpected. Uh, I think the weather plays a role in these things, right? And, you know... Going back to ALA's midwinter meeting, there always seemed to be a blizzard or something that would happen the weekend of the midwinter meeting back then. And right on cue for LibLearnX this year in Baltimore, we had a snowstorm <laughs> and bitter cold. And I think that probably impacted last-minute on-site registrations. But I think a bigger impact this year was that there is a biannual Public Library Association annual conference. That is always one of the ALA's most popular and well-attended conferences. That's set for April in Columbus, Ohio. And look, you know, library budgets are tight. And I think librarians had to prioritize whether they wanted to go to that PLA show, which is a much bigger show, or come to LibLearnX. And, you know, going back to the midwinter meeting again, uh, whenever there was a PLA show, midwinter attendance would, would drop. So not unexpected. And lots of other factors, too. For example, last year's show was in New Orleans at the start of carnival season. And that is significantly bigger draw than Baltimore in January. Uh, as much as I adore Baltimore, the Charm City, my brother and his family live there. I think it's a great town. But it's not, you know, on your list of places to visit in January necessarily. One of the numbers that really jumped out at me was the dip in exhibitor attendance in Baltimore from the show last year in New Orleans. That number was basically cut in half. But again, vendors and attendees actually had a couple of years to plan for the show in New Orleans, uh, which ended up being the first in-person LibLearnX show after the inaugural one was canceled in San Antonio because of the pandemic. And I just think that there was a lot of curiosity and anticipation for last year's show about what LibLearnX would actually be in person. Remember, LibLearnX actually took the place of the ALA's midwinter meeting, which was a big booth show that often drew in the neighborhood of six to 8,000 attendees before it was discontinued. So all in all, I think it's fair to say that this year's show, this year's LibLearnX attendance was held back, expectedly so, by a number of factors. That said, the program in Baltimore, I thought was really quite good. And the librarians who were there were very clearly energized and very happy to be together. And had a lot of quality time with vendors, with each other. 
I think it's a very important thing to remember, though I will say, too, that I think the ALA definitely has some questions to address about the event as it goes forward. Well, indeed, Andrew, as you say, LibLearnX clearly faces questions moving forward. But what were the highlights for the show this year? Yeah, so I, you know, I think the vision of LibLearnX actually makes some sense now having been to two of them. So you know, just a little backstory again here, prior to the pandemic, ALA had sort of fallen out of love with its midwinter meeting, right? Attendance was falling, costs were rising, and ALA members just didn't have the money to go to a second ALA show every year. And they had to go to that show, too, because there was so much committee work that was getting done at midwinter. And a lot of that work was now able to be done online. So I think LibLearnext feels to many people like a pandemic-driven show, sort of a downsized post-pandemic show. But it's not. It was actually conceived well before the pandemic. And the idea at the time was for there to be more time for learning and networking and programming. And now having been to two of these shows, I have to say, in many ways, LibLearnext delivers on that. You know, among the show's highlights this year, and you can read a little bit about this on the PW site, and definitely check out the great coverage on the American Library site. American Libraries is the ALA's uh, magazine. You know, this year's event kicked off with a really well-attended opening reception that honored the 2023 winners of the annual I Love My Librarian Awards. It's a national award. Uh, It was an amazing event, again, and to see and hear these stories from these librarians firsthand and to get to meet them and talk about the great work they're doing, it was tremendously impactful, you know, much, much more impactful than any Zoom could ever be. The speaker program was fascinating. It featured talks from the great Katie Camillo and Antonia Hilton is an MSNBC reporter and George M. Johnson and uh, NPR reporter Michelle Norris, who has a new book out and Comic Jesus Trail. They were all terrific. Uh, the professional program featured a number of hot topics. Of course, there was, you know, defending the freedom to read and there was sustainability and AI. Uh, a lot of talk about AI this year as librarians sort of try to gauge the impact on their work. On the awards front, you have the ALA's Youth Media Awards. Always a huge event. It's the most prestigious children's awards out there. You can read about uh, the award winners this year on the PW site. So all in all, there's a lot in this program. And I thought it was actually really good. As for the questions going forward, well, I think ALA has to do a much better job in explaining what this show is and what it's supposed to be and why it should be, you know, a prominent fixture on the publishing industry calendar, especially in years where there's a PLA conference, too. Uh, Look, I'm just going to say it right up front. Everybody's kind of thinking it. LibLearnX is a terrible name. It means nothing to anyone. It doesn't say what the conference is. I really feel like that needs to be the first step in any marketing, I think, needs to be to reconsider the conference name going forward. But, you know, that's a very basic complaint. We're in in a moment, too, I think, coming out of the pandemic when it's clear to me that people want to be together again, right? People want to travel. They want to go places and they understand and see the value of being face to face. When you're at these shows, you see this. But we are also in a period when budgets are still very uncertain. So, The ALA has to do a much better job outlining the value proposition for this show. And I just feel like that has not been expressed yet. Um, It needs to be done both for ALA members to get them to come to the show and for publishers and vendors and, of course, library advocates to come to the show, too. You know, and also coming out of the pandemic, another point on this is I'm really shocked to see that there is virtually no interest in the online show, right? The virtual show 
Last year, New Orleans had like 190 registrants. This year, it had 109 registrants. So not only did people not go to the physical show this year, they weren't interested in going online either. And the program was so good. I don't know why that is. I think that it's probably a problem of marketing. So look, next year is really going to be the year to watch. Right, there's no PLA conference next year, and next year's uh, LibLearnX is in Phoenix in January. Warm weather, <laughs> so you know I think the ALA has some work to do to make its case for the show. But you know, given the programs I've seen at the last two LibLearnXs, I think there is a case to be made. And I guess one final note is, you know, now another year removed from the pandemic. I really sense that people are yearning to be together. So I really hope we can find a way to support that and make it happen again in the publishing business. The American Booksellers Winter Institute heads to Cincinnati next month. In Monday's issue, Andrew P.W. has an extensive preview for the show. Yeah, so I think this show is a great example of the power of in-person gatherings in the book business and maybe the best example because the energy and the appetite for booksellers and authors to gather together in person to get ready for the upcoming 2024 bookselling season is enormous. As you know, the American Booksellers Association has its Winter Institute, or until the pandemic did, uh, every year. Uh, it's running this year in Cincinnati from February 11th to the 14th. It's four days of Great programming, lots of networking, and of course, you know, a lot of opportunities to meet more than a hundred featured authors. I get a hundred authors to come. Uh, and of course, you know, booksellers can grab as many, you know, ARCs as they can carry. Uh, notably, this show in Cincinnati was actually postponed two times during the COVID years. Uh, this is the third, the third time's the charm. They're actually making it happen this year. Last year's Winter Institute returned for the first time since the pandemic in Seattle. And, you know, this year's program, if you look at the preview, is incredibly strong and it's sold out. So for people who don't know, Winter Institute slots are limited. And ABA officials said that this year's gathering sold out like Taylor Swift tickets. They were gone in less than an hour. Uh, and ABA CEO Allison Hill told PW that this year's event is going to be the largest Winter Institute yet. It's going to top the record of 900 booksellers that the show brought to Seattle last year. And just a little hint for the library community here, I think the Winter Institute model is not a bad one as you consider the future of a January show or uh, the future of Libler X. You know, the preview, as I said, is in this week's edition of Publishers Weekly. It's a supplement. Uh, it's fantastic. It looks wonderful. It was put together by our bookselling team of Claire Kirk and Natalie Optebeck and Ned Nawaka. And it runs through everything from the professional program to the author events, which include, among the highlights, uh, brand strategist Bonnie Wand, who is the author of The Life Brief. Uh, a playbook for no regrets living. And there's an afternoon closing keynote by one of my favorite authors, historian Doris Kearns Goodwin, who has a very personal book upcoming. It's called An Unfinished Love Story, A Personal History of the 1960s. Other highlights include a Tuesday breakfast keynote with Michelle Norris, who I saw at uh, LibLearnX. She's going to talk about her new book, Our Hidden Conversations, What Americans Really Think About Race and Identity. It was a terrific talk at LibLearnX. I'm sure it's going to be great in Cincinnati as well. And on the professional side, there's a ton of great panels. They cover topics like uh, DEI and de-escalation techniques and worker-owned cooperative models and AI. Of course, AI seems to be popping up anywhere. Uh, book banning, too, will be on the agenda, I'm sure, uh, the issue of book banning anyway, as well as labor trends and other things that impact bookstores. So it's a really meaty program for booksellers. You can check it all out. In Monday's issue. And even if you don't have tickets, there's a lot to take in and enjoy for what's going to be a really special Winter Institute coming up in Cincinnati. 
What other noteworthy conferences and shows are on the horizon? Yeah, it's going to be busy. The holidays are now officially over. We are into 2024, and here we go. You know, we just wrapped up LibLearnX, obviously. Winter Institute is coming up in a couple of weeks, and then there's Pub West and AWP. Uh, and, of course, London is now in March, and Bologna in April, and PLA, and Texas Library Association. And I'm sure I'm missing some other ones on the calendar here. And, you know, I've kind of hinted at this already in, in talking today, but we're another year away from the pandemic, right? We put another year of distance between the, the shutdowns and where we are today. So I'm just really going to be very interested in the first part of the year to see how these shows do. And my hope is that we really do start to see people coming back to these in-person shows in large numbers, because I think we need the support, right? You know, we benefit from being together. So, you know, thus begins what I think is going to be one of the big stories that we will be looking back on at the end of 2024, uh, which is the future of in-person publishing conferences. Andrew Albanese, Publishers Weekly Executive Editor, thanks for joining me today with your reporting and editorial analysis. My pleasure, as always. Coming up on CCC's podcast, K-dramas and K-pop have placed the Republic of Korea at the center of the media universe. Are K-books about to join them? Korean novels, especially by women authors, are already finding enthusiastic readers far beyond native audiences. An online database of titles called Match Whale is set to add many more Korean titles to libraries and bookstores around the world. Matchwell founder Beatrice Lin told me from Seoul that the Korean government is supporting this global push for K-books. So K-PIPA, we call it a Korea, uh, the Publication Industry Promotion Agency of Korea. Uh, they are carrying out a lot of or a variety of projects that support publishers in Korea at a new service such as like Matchwell. Uh, do promote and foster Korean publishing culture domestically and also spread it over to overseas. So every year, for example, uh, they operate a Korean exhibition hall at major international book fairs and also invite overseas publishers into Korea. K-books are coming next on Velocity of Content. That's all for now. Our producer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. Subscribe to Velocity of Content wherever you go for podcasts and don't miss an episode of the show. The CCC podcast is also available on the CCC YouTube channel. I'm Christopher Keneally. Thanks for joining me. 